in the house of the Lord. It's good to worship together and praise together and seek Him and encounter Him. Uh, that's what He wants to do in us and through us. The Holy Spirit makes the difference. They were singing Graves in the Gardens. And I got to thinking about the Holy Spirit. And before you, you can become a gardener, and you, and it's talking about graves in the garden where you're dead and your sins and your trespasses and things like that. You don't have the Spirit of God living in you. But the Holy Spirit's referred to as a living water. Amen. And when that's poured on that new creation that you are in Jesus, it just begins to grow into this garden, this beautiful garden. And I'm so thankful that the Holy Spirit did that in my life, doing that in your life. That is moving in your life, moving in our church, if we will just be hungry for him. And, the, and, and also, he, he is in the form of fire. So um, he sends his fire down, and it's contagious to the rest of us when his Holy Spirit moves amongst the room, and it just moves from this one to this one and this one. I love his Holy Spirit. I love the Holy Spirit and what he wants to do. And, you know, just like Ezekiel speaking to the bones, sometimes he just breathes into us and brings us to life. And that's not what I'm preaching on today, but I just felt that, that we need God's Holy Spirit in this house every time we meet, and, and, and he's in charge of it all. If he had told me, don't get up there and speak, I just want to work, I want you guys to worship, that's what we do. Because he, he is the leader of our service, he guides that, and we want to follow his leading in all we do in our lives. Amen? Amen. Woo! couple things to get going here right off the bat. Um, George mentioned last week that I'll, um, when he's laid up here with the surgery coming up, that I'll help out with some things with the church. So I wanted to give you guys um, our phone numbers, Sarah and I's, and you're like, Rick, this is kind of dangerous. Yes, it is. But I want you guys to know that we're available. While George is um, recovering from his surgery and kind of, he won't be out of commission, but just you know, you can call us, all right? Anytime you want to, there's my number, there's Sarah num Sarah's number. Reach out to us if you need something during that time. Um, we're here to serve and help you any way we can. Amen? Amen? So don't be afraid to call us and let us know what's going on or if you need prayer for anything or you just want to hang out or you want to cook me a pie. Uh, <laughs> call me up and say, Rick, I've got a pie for you also. <laughs> he, sa he said, back off. <laughs> yeah, whatever, I don't care. I'm not real picky. So, this morning, I like pie too, George. This morning, out of position is what we're going to be talking about. Um, out of position. Let me see something here. Kids, don't try this at home. I'm a professional. All right. Can you see me up here still? Um... Some might say, Rick, you're out of position to preach this morning. And who says you have to preach right there on the platform? So I wanted to be up here this morning to start out um, talking about out of position. And I know it's a little darker up here. And Carlin said, don't come too close to the edge because that'll freak people out. Or some will cheer. I don't know, but... <laughs> how far is that camera pan out? We can see how far. All right. So, out of position. There's some pictures I wanted to show you guys of people being out of position. Here's the first one. Referee, you're in the wrong spot, man. Got, you know, has anybody ever been caught in the wrong place at the wrong time? Yeah, I have too. This guy has. Here's the next picture. Yep, shouldn't have parked there. 
Here's another one for you. This lady has, now I don't know if this was photoshopped, I just found it, but she has no clue what's about to happen to her. Maybe she just turned into that, but that's not a good spot to be in. Wrong place, wrong time. Here's another one. Yes. I'm sure that guy underneath, either one really, the jockey up top and the guy underneath, wrong place, wrong time. I don't know what's about to happen there, but it does not look good. I think there's one more. Oh, man. Poor squirrel. When, you, when the roads are being striped, you really don't want to be laying there. I'm assuming he wasn't alive anymore, but wrong place, wrong time. And this morning, <laughs> I like to have fun. This morning, as we're talking about being out of position, the story that we're going to be talking about probably looked a little bit different than this, but I am in the role of David right now. And David... Uh, found himself out of position when he was on the roof of the palace and looking down at something he shouldn't have been looking at in Bathsheba. And he had just woken up from a nap, it says in the Word. We're going to be in 2 Samuel 11 today, in, in chapter 12, some too. But as he was looking, as he gets done with his nap, he goes up to the rooftop and he starts pacing, you know, walking, it says he's walking, but uh, it, it actually means pacing back and forth back in that day. So maybe, maybe he couldn't sleep. Maybe he was thinking about a battle that he should have been in at that moment. But for whatever reason, he's pacing back and forth on top of the roof of the palace. And he sees this woman named Bathsheba, and she's bathing. All right, he sees her. The thing is, he's never supposed to be here. And we're going to talk about that this morning, but before we do, let's pray. As I work my way down that way, if I trip or anything, you guys won't see it. So let's bow your heads in prayer. Father, we just thank you and praise you for today. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that we've already felt in this place. And Lord, I just, I just pray right now for the believer, for the sinner, for the saint, for the a person that's addicted to anything, Father, that's hurting Anybody that's going through anything this morning, Father, I just pray right now that your Holy Spirit would do a work in their life. Lord, not words that I say, not songs that we sing, but an encounter with you, Father, is what makes the difference in people's lives. And I pray right now that you would just work on hearts, work on minds, let them receive what you have for them today, God. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Safe and sound back down on the ground. I used to rap, so... That one, that one rhymed a little bit. Okay, Second Samuel chapter 11. Let's see, how was he out of position? Let's see right here. We're going to read verses 1 through 5 to start out. It said, In the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabbah. However, God, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. Late one afternoon, after his midday rest... David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of the palace. As he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. He sent someone to find out who she was and was told, She is Bathsheba, the daughter of Iliam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her. And when she came to the palace, he slept with her. She had just completed the purification rites after having her menstrual period. Then she returned home. Later, when Bathsheba discovered that she was pregnant... She sent David a message saying, I'm pregnant. There it is, right there in the beginning. When kings normally go out to war, 
David was a king. When kings normally go out to war, he stayed home, out of position. Right off the bat, he was out of position. He did not go where God needed him to be. In 2 Samuel 10, if you go back, we're not going to look at it this morning, but as you read some of this story, um, Joab and the mighty men were preserved against the Syrians and Ammonites, but they did not win a decisive victory. That decisive victory didn't happen until David showed up with his men and led the army. So through custom and experience, David was, God was telling David, you need to be at the battle. And yet he finds himself on the roof of the, of the palace watching a woman bathe. There's a principle found in, in Galatians 5.16, if you guys want to flip over there real quick. Galatians 5.16 It's so important for us to to follow this daily to keep us from being caught out of position. And it says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil. Again, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil. You know, if David had his attention where God, had, God wanted him to have his attention, he wouldn't have ended up in that situation that he was in. That's the same for us. If we are doing what God has called us to do, we won't end up in situations that we're not supposed to be in. I know that from experience. You know that from experience. We need to be about what God wants us to be doing. And also, this, this, this didn't just happen all of a sudden for David. Um, he had shown disregard for, for God's plan for marriage many years before that in 1 Samuel 25 when he took more than one wife. Now, I thought about having some fun with this, but I'm not. <laughs> because I love my wife, and I'm not going to poke fun or anything like that because I don't want a black eye when I get home. <laughs> but David did this several years before this. Um, he had a lack of restraint in the romance department. Plain and simple. He couldn't stop. And he'd rather indulge in his flesh and that passion than be obedient to what God had called him to do. We all find ourselves doing that, okay? Give into our flesh instead of what God would want us to do. When he, when we sow, and also, when we sow corrupt seed, when we deliberately go against God, we're going to reap something bad from that. It may not happen right away, but it's going to happen in your life. And you're going to see this in the story of David that he went through a lot a lot of things because of what he did right here in this passage. Out of position. Verse 2 again. Let's read that again. Late one afternoon after his midday rest, David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of the palace. As he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. Now, his sin was not in seeing Bathsheba. His sin was taking that second look and then staring at her. Uh, he had the chance as he's peering out over the kingdom and he sees her and he should have been like, whoa, 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 what's going on? I'm going to just head back in and not watch this woman taking a bath. But he didn't do that. He gave in to the temptation and continued watching. Okay? I'm sure he didn't plan on seeing her, but that sin was continuing to keep his eyes on her after the initial sight. And Christians, especially men, we have to learn to never let our eyes or our mind 
rest on alluring images unless they are in marriage with our wife or our husband. And I say especially men, I'm, I'm around the teen boys, so I know, I know things, <laughs> okay? They deal with things. Men deal with things um, far more than they want to admit. Just throwing that out there, okay? So David has many wives, and it still doesn't satisfy him. And you know why? Because the lust of the flesh will never be satisfied. You're never going to satisfy it. You're going to want more and more and more when you're in that mindset, when you're out of position from where God wants you to be. Every time we do that, every time we follow the flesh and do what the flesh wants us to do, we're being disobedient to God. We're going against God. He doesn't want that for us. Verses 3 through 5 again. He sent someone to find out who she was, and he was told she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Iliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her, and when she came to the palace, he slept with her. Later, when Bathsheba discovered that she was pregnant, she sent David a message saying, I'm pregnant. The first thing I want to let us know this morning is we always have an opportunity to, to escape temptation. It's always there. It's all, there's always a way out for us when we are tempted to do something wrong. It's quiet in here. He could have turned away and been revived in the ways of the Lord's, but he didn't. Again, he had an opportunity to flee the first time he saw her, but he didn't do it. He didn't have to send for her. He didn't have to sleep with her. He didn't have to do all these things that happened after that initial sight. After that initial sin, we have opportunity to flee and not do things that are going to lead to more things. We have that opportunity. Every time we're tempted to do something, we don't have to fall to the temptation, whatever it is. There's always a way out. 1 Corinthians 10.13. 1 Corinthians 10.13. God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you're tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. So we've got the word of God, we have prayer, we have other believers to help us out of these situations when we're tempted. But sometimes we don't use them. We just deliberately go against God. I've got this, I've got all these promises of God, I've got the life right here for me, if I'll get into it, to help me when temptation comes. I've got the Holy Spirit inside of me. Again, there's that war between the flesh and the spirit. Do what the spirit wants you to do. We all know that when it happens. But for some reason, we deliberately go against it and choose sin instead of choosing God. And we cannot do that. We cannot do that. He should have never been on the roof, out of position. He should have been in battle where God wanted him to be. You know, when we go through things and we get tempted by things, Sometimes the last thing we want to do is call somebody and tell them. We're too embarrassed to admit that we're struggling. But we've got Christian brothers and sisters that are supposed to be here to lift us up when we're down, not condemn us for what we're mixed up in. We are all still, even though we're Christians and we're saved, we still make mistakes. We still have to go around helping each other clean up those mistakes and learn from those mistakes. You know, so many times in churches... A Christian will mess up and we cast them out. They're just not going to get it. And as Christian brothers and sisters, we are to encourage them and lift them up and help them deal with whatever they're dealing with. I'm so glad people did that for me and didn't give up on me. 
because I've messed up as, as a Christian. I've messed up as much as early as last week, I'm sure. Probably yesterday, Sarah can tell you. I forget things real easy, but she can tell you. It's a gift the wife has, I guess. I don't know. When, here's another thing, when we step out of battle, when we're out of position, we stop doing what God's called us to do. When he was on that rooftop out of position, he stopped doing what God had called him to do, which was to be in battle. And, and we find ourselves doing the same thing. You know, if, if I step out of, if I get out of position as a youth pastor and I start doing things that I shouldn't be doing, I'm out of what God wants me to do. And chances are I'm not going to be able to reach the youth that I'm supposed to be reaching because I'm choosing to go against God instead of letting him work through me. So when we step out of battle and when we're out of position, we stop doing what God has called us to do. And a lot of times when we fall to temptation, it's because we're just not being obedient to God. And we should always be about fighting the Lord's battle all the time, not our flesh, okay? We're all as Christians in a spiritual battle to win souls to Jesus. Hello? Yes. You know, I, I, sometimes I'm, uh, I'm rough on our youth group. I challenge them. I'll say I'll challenge them a lot. I'm rough on them. I want to know, and, and I hold myself accountable, this too, who, did, who did you share Jesus with this week? We're, we're to go and make disciples. How are you, how you doing in that? And, you know, our, our theme for 2020 in youth was each one reach one. One with the gospel of Jesus Christ and see them come to Christ. One. And if I was to ask everybody in this church, have you seen one person in your life that you've poured into come to Jesus this year? I'm afraid a lot of hands wouldn't go up. But yet that's what our mission is. That's what our mission in our church motto is to reach, to teach, to serve. But we say it like it's cliche anymore and not actually something we're supposed to be doing. So there, and I've told you guys this before that I get so tired of church hopping. That's really not the way to grow your church. I don't like it here, so I'm going to go there. I don't like it there, so I'm going to go here. What is that doing for the kingdom of God? While everybody, there's still so many people that are hurting, that are, that are crushed in spirit, that have no hope, that are headed straight to hell yet we can't reach out to him and share the love of Jesus for whatever reason. I'm guilty, just like you're guilty of it. For whatever reason, we're not reaching the lost. It takes some action on our part. We can't just hope they come into our building. Go out and be the church. It's not about this building. It's about what you take with you out the, outside the building. As you love on people, as you build relationships with people, I know it doesn't happen just like that. You can walk up to somebody and say, you need to come to church with me. Let's go. You know, you've heard me share the story about Aaron. We, that's, I did not do that to him. And he'll vouch for that. We built a relationship and we talked basketball. We talked sports. And we just got to know each other. And that opened the door for me to share Jesus with him. And he was receptive to it because he knew I cared about him. People have to know you care about him. They've got to know you care about them. Again, our mission is to make disciples. If we're not trying to win people to Christ by, by letting our light shine, by bearing fruit, then we may be compromising to the world side of things. I'm just going to go with the flow of everything else instead of being holy and set apart and do what God's called me to do. 
if we're not out there fighting the battle in prayer and worship and praise and bearing fruit and lifting up the name of Jesus, we're going to be open to temptation. If we're not doing the things that we need to be doing to stay close to God, then when temptation comes, it's going to cripple us. I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in other lives. When you're not walking with God and doing what he wants you to do, you go a different direction. You just go. You go. And sometimes it doesn't happen quickly. It's a slow drift. It's a slow fade. And before you know it, what am I doing? What am I doing? How did I get so wrong in the direction my life has taken? And I guarantee if you'll look back and see, am I spending time with the Lord? Am I reading his word? Am I praying? Am I feeding myself the things of God? Am I, am I concentrating on him every day and dying to my flesh? You'll find out why you faded away. If we'll keep doing the right things, it'll keep us from doing the wrong things. Simple. So simple. If we'll keep doing the right things, it'll keep us from doing the wrong things. I can, I can go a day or two without reading my word, without praying. And I'm talking about in days I don't even feel like it. I can just go a day or two without doing that and notice a difference in my life. I start to pull back. I start to isolate from people. My staff can tell you that. They've seen it in me when I have rough days. And that just starts, I mean, it just happens, it can happen that quick. Just a day or two of starting to pout and have pity on myself and, and not do what God's called me to do, and I can get in a place where I don't need to be that fast. And once you open the door to compromise, it leads to other doors to compromise, and before long, you're not even in the battle anymore. Or if you are, you switch sides, and now you're actually working against God. I don't know why I preach challenging stuff all the time. but And then when you don't get amens, you... that's a good sign, I think. Okay. We don't want to be on the opposite side of God because, as you guys all know, he wins. We win. There's, there's no use fighting against him. We, we, he wins. Okay? Um, another thing... David forgot that God was good. He just forgot God was good. How many times do we do that? Just think about, we forget that God's good. God's been good to me. God's always been good to me. He's always carried me through things. He's always sustained me. He forgot about that. You know, and, and talking about um, the door of compromise, you know, this, if, if you've read the story before, I'm sure a lot of you have, when he did this, when he did this sin, you know, by staring at her, then calling upon her, then sleeping with her, it got him in a pickle. And his, his answer to that was to start doing other things that kind of piled up. Once you lie about one thing and you start to cover that up, kids, you know, it just gets worse and worse and worse, and you keep piling things on. You know, he, he calls Uriah back from the war to tell him, you know, why don't you take a break and go home to your wife? Because David realizes what he did. I got her pregnant. But if I can just cover this up by having Uriah come home, and he can be with his wife, he says, I'm not going to go home in a time where the men are out there fighting, pretty much saying, like, you should be. I'm not going to go home to her. And then he tries to get him drunk so he'd go home and do that. He still wouldn't do it. So then he has him killed. 
over the first place of being out of position. It led to that. And it leads to more in his life. Again, David forgot that God was good. And as you read over this entire story, which I encourage you guys to do, um, he just made it worse by covering things up and covering things up. And he thinks he's going to get away with it. But in chapter 12, God sends Nathan the prophet, and prophet is a proclaimer of the will of God. And he sends Nathan to set David straight. So let's look over on chapter 12. I'm going to read through this real quick. It says, So the Lord sent Nathan the prophet to tell David this story. There were two men in a certain town. One was rich and one was poor. The rich man owed a great many, owned a great many sheep and cattle. The poor man owned nothing but one little lamb he had bought. He raised that little lamb and grew it up with his children. It ate from the man's own plate and drank from his cup. He cuddled it in his arms like a baby daughter. One day a guest arrived at the home of the rich man, but instead of killing an animal from his own flock or herd... He took the poor man's lamb and killed it and prepared it for his guest. David was furious. As surely as the Lord lives, he vowed, any man who would do such a thing deserves to die. He must repay four lambs to the poor man for the one he stole and for having no pity. And look at this right here. Then Nathan said to David, you are that man. The Lord, the God of Israel, says, I anointed you king of Israel and saved you from the power of Saul. I gave you your master's house and his wives and the kingdoms of Israel and Judah. And if that, forgetting the goodness of God, if that had not been enough, I would have given you much, much more. He forgot how good God had been to him. And, and uh, it's sad to say that we do that at times too. I've done that at times to forget the goodness of God. That God's always provided, that all, God's always brought us through things. Even when it was awful. Even when you're feeling like you're going through a living hell, God brings you through to the other side and shows you things and grows you through those things. And it's the goodness of God, but David forgot about that. He forgot about that and, and instead wanted to satisfy his flesh and be out of position from where God wanted him to be. And I, I encourage you guys, don't forget about the goodness of God. Don't forget that he's always been there. When things come and they will come, don't forget about God's goodness. Cling to those promises. Cling to everything you've seen him do in the past in your life and know that he's still with you then. He was with you then. He'll be with you now. Don't forget the goodness of God. We have to understand that, that sin starts in our hearts long before it ever becomes an action in our lives. Something starts to change in here, and then we start to act on it. If we expect God to be good, we'll keep seeking him and living for him. And the moment we stop doing that, that's the moment we lose our passion for God and, and we get ourselves out of position. And another thing, as I'm closing here, if the praise team will come up, Another thing about being out of position and being where God wants you to be when you, when you get out of position, it not only affects you, it affects those people around you. And in this story, um, it affected people around David. And when this happens in your life, the cost is too great to find yourself out of position. And, and when this happens in David's life, 
because of him being out of position, he had an unwanted pregnancy. He had the murder of a trusted friend. This is all from being out of position, being on that rooftop and, and sinning. A dead baby. This baby didn't make it. His laughter. His, his, his daughter raped by his son. One son murdered by another son. A civil war led by one of his sons. A son who imitates David's lack of self-control, le- leading him and much of Israel away from God. All of this from being out of position. One thing leads to another. And now he has to pay for things, the sin he's had in his life. You know, we, we want to we always talk about how God's love, God's this, God's that, God's so awesome. But there's also a God that judges and holds us accountable. And sometimes we have to pay the consequences for things we chose. We went against God. He's not going against us. We choose it. And we all have to deal with this battle every day, the flesh versus versus the spirit, back and forth, tugging back and forth, trying to get us out of position. Staying in God's will or doing our own thing. And when we're out of position, we're missing out on the blessings of God. We're missing out on what God wants to do in your life, in the lives of those people around you. You guys will all stand this morning. Another good thing in this story, as he's talking to Nathan, he ends up confessing to Nathan, and he takes responsibility for what he's done. Um, and, And this is God. God forgives him. You know, part of the thing with sin and we choose, when we choose to be out of position is, is going to God and saying, man, I messed up. Saying, I messed up. My heart's not where it needs to be. And the great thing about God is he forgives you. And he washes you clean and gives you a fresh start. Now, if you're in here this morning and you don't, you don't know Jesus as your Savior, Jesus loves you. He wants you to be forgiven of your sins. It doesn't matter how how bad you've messed up your life this morning. He loves you. It doesn't matter how far you think you've gone where you can't turn back. He loves you. And he'll forgive you and wash the slate clean. I know people around you may not do that, but Jesus will. And he'll give you a fresh start. And he'll transform your heart and your mind into what he would want you to be. And we get to spend eternity in heaven with him when we choose him. You may be in here this morning and you are a Christian, but you've got yourself out of position. God can get you back on track. Just surrender your heart back to him. Admit you've messed up. Ask for forgiveness and let him start working in you again. So if you guys will bow your heads. Father, right now we just come to you and we thank you. God, we thank you for your goodness. You are good. And God, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would do a work in people's lives and hearts right now, Father. Lord, I don't care if somebody's not heard a word I said, but right now, Father, if you would do a work in them right now, Father, we know it's all worth it. 
Lord, right now as we pray, as we seek you, Father, I just pray that your spirit falls on the heart in here that needs to hear you or hearts, God, that needs to, to repent and get back in the position that you want them to be in. Father, don't let them walk out of here. I'm praying that conviction over them right now, Father, that your spirit will just wrap them up with conviction and love and let them know that you're still there. So as we open these altars this morning, if you're out of position, or maybe you're here this morning, you don't know the Lord, just take that step and come to this altar. Take that step and come to this altar. You don't have to walk around with that heaviness, that hurt, those burdens anymore. If you are a Christian in here and you're out of position and you know you're out of position, come make it right with God this morning.